Well, good morning, church family. Just uh, it's a pleasure being here with you this morning. Uh, again, I know it's under some interesting circumstances, but, uh, but you know, that's okay. We're still going to dive into the Word, and uh, we're going to dive in to see what uh, Jesus has to say to us and what we need to learn today as we continue our Kingdom Living series, talking about prayer. Uh, it's not a novel subject. Um, we know a lot about prayer and, and, and how prayer is such a powerful thing in our lives. We're just going to look here at Matthew 6, a little bit of what Jesus talks about prayer, um, some of the, the stark contrasts between the how of the self-righteous versus the righteous uh, prayer uh, and prayer lives, and, and then uh, and we're going to look at a little bit of a, of a model of prayer, and then ultimately just take a look at Christ's own life uh, to see how he really exemplifies what prayer truly is uh, for us uh, in this uh, Christian walk that we have. Uh, last week, <clears throat> uh, Brian started off kind of a, a mini-series uh, with uh, his talk on tithing and giving. Uh, we're going to be talking today a little bit about prayer, uh, and next week Brian's going to pick back up again and talk uh, about fasting. And uh, <clears throat> uh, these, these three weeks really get down to really the heart of, of the matter of, of some of the actions that we take, that we do. And... Um, and Brian, he started off uh, reading Matthew six one, and it was kind of the kind of the theme verse for these next few weeks um, that uh, that we're going to be together in this Kingdom Living series. And here's what it says: Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. For if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. And uh, Jesus is trying to get to the heart of the issue here. Uh, the heart of the issue as it pertains to uh, our faith, as it pertains to uh, how we do certain things uh, in life. Jesus, you know Jesus, he was always, always about the heart. Every time the Pharisees or the Sadducees, uh, the religious leaders would try to come and ask him questions to try to trip him up during his ministry, he was always about getting straight to the heart of the matter, and he he wastes no time here in Matthew six one and some of the subsequent verses that we're going to read, and saying that if we seek man's approval in life, then that's the exact reward that we are going uh, to get. But it won't be of God. It's a cause and effect relationship, right? So. If what we do is so self-righteous that we're doing it for man and man alone, then that's the reward that we'll get, the approval of man. And the approval of man, uh, it comes and goes like the wind. And uh, it's finicky. Because one day you may be liked, the next day you may not be liked. One minute you may be the, the flavor of the minute, and the next minute, not so much. Right? But if we live uh, for God and God alone, then there's eternal implications uh, because of that. And that's really where Jesus is trying to get uh, to the heart. So he continues this trend in this section about prayer. And what I love here is that Jesus 
share some stark contrasts about the how of prayer. Uh, as I said before, um, with those who are righteous and those who are self-righteous, just doing it for themselves, doing it for how it looks. Um, and that's what we're going to talk a little bit about uh, today. So uh, just as a little caveat, you know, we could talk about prayer for probably three, it could be a, a mini three to four week series in and of itself. Uh, there's many, many uh, aspects to prayer, prayer life, what prayer is, types of prayer, all of that sort of thing. Uh, but today we're really just going to try to focus on what Christ is saying, what Jesus is saying here uh, in Matthew 6, and how it really relates uh, to us, to our lives, and, uh, and how we can uh, be more like Jesus in these areas that he wants us uh, to be more like him in. Um, so uh, with all that said, let's take a moment now just to, to settle our hearts, uh, to pray, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump in to the passage here. So let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this time that we have here uh, together this morning, Lord. And whether it be under you know, crazy circumstances uh, with, with this uh, you know, COVID-19 pandemic that's, that's sweeping the nation, really, Lord. And we know that you are over that, Father. And we know that um, whatever happens in our daily personal lives or those of, uh, of us who are, have loved ones uh, in this area surrounding in the country, uh, we know that, uh, that you are over us all and that ultimately your will will be done. Uh, and that you will be praised and honored uh, through all this, Lord. So um, we, uh, we sell our hearts now, and uh, we ready ourselves to just um, meet you in this place. So uh, we praise in your name. Amen. All right, guys, so let's dive right in. We're going to read uh, our passage today in Matthew 6. Uh, we're going to read from uh, verse 5 to 13. And it says this, follow along. If you have uh, your Bible, if you don't have Matthew 5, your Bible app. Uh, Matthew 5, and uh, just read along. I'm going to be reading out of the uh, NIV. <clears throat> and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father, who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on battling like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask of Him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, here is what we're going to be talking about today uh, with this notion of prayer. So let's dive in again. I know I've said that a few times. Pardon me, this is interesting for me. So, uh, so let's go. So, and when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners, to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So here's kind of, and Jesus is kind of doing just a few do's and don'ts, if you will, um, as, as trying to teach us what prayer, what true prayer 
really looks like. You see, these hypocrites, these people, what they would do is uh, they would go into the synagogues, uh, they, would, they would wait for people to kind of gather around, and they would stand there, hands raised, and, and belting out these prayers to sound holy, uh, to sound like, I have it all together, look how righteous I am, look how holy I am, look how spiritual I am. And they were doing it so that other people could see what they were doing and go, oh man, I wish I could be like him. Oh man, I wish I, wish I was that spiritual. But really, all it was was a pride thing. They wanted that approval from man. And what we already kind of talked about already is, is the fact that that man's approval is so momentary satisfaction. And it goes like that. Man's approval is something... Now, listen, we all like to be, we all like to be liked, right? We want to be liked. Uh, we want to be loved. And uh, we want to be accepted. And those aren't necessarily bad things. But when it's a driving factor in your life that you put as number one that you need man's approval in life to feel accomplished, to feel like you mean something, to feel like you're spiritual enough, man, we're just missing the point. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here. These hypocrites are doing just that. They're missing the point of what true prayer really, really is. We're going to skip over verse 6 for a second. We're going to go right to verse 7 and see another kind of way that that prayer can be construed. <clears throat> verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I don't know about you, but, but sometimes, especially in my younger years, um, when I was a little bit more immature in my faith, uh, I tried, when I was in you know, youth group or when I was in a group of people that were praying, uh, sometimes I would try to use a lot of Christianese, if you will. Um, and not that it's a bad thing to use these words, but, but in my heart... I was trying to sound like I could pray well. Uh, use words like, you know, we're justified by your blood. We're, we're being sanctified. Um, and, and, and you are so holy. And, and I was trying to put on a front because I knew these words from reading the Bible or from listening in Sunday school. And, um, and it was just, it wasn't true. It wasn't... It wasn't heartfelt. And I quickly realized uh, why it was so hard for me to pray is because I was making it about me and how I looked in front of people instead of what prayer truly is, which is simply our communication uh, with God, our way of, of bringing our life to Him. And He already knows, right? He already knows what we need. He already knows what we're going to say. But prayer is not necessarily for God or to change God's mind or whatnot. Prayer is simply to put us in the correct perspective or even to put God in the right perspective in our minds, 
which is first and foremost. And then from that is where things come in the rest of our lives. And so, so I realized at a young age, it's not about the words that I know and I can say to try to impress. It's, it's from my heart to God's heart. Even in the midst of there being, you know, four, five, six, ten, twelve people in the room, it's from my heart to God's heart. Um, and I really had to learn that, and God really impressed that on my heart. But uh, here's what verse 6 says. And here's kind of the way that, that Christ, uh, that, that Jesus kind of says the, the, the contrast between these first two bookends of here's how the self-righteous kind of pray for man's approval. And here's how, here's how I want you uh, to pray. And then he goes a little bit more specific of a model of the Lord's Prayer, which we'll read in just a few minutes. Verse 6 says this, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Now, see, here's the thing. Uh, in uh, the Jewish culture, in their homes, most of the homes were just very open. Uh, there were lots of open spaces. May not be able to be very private, if you will. Uh, a lot of the rooftops were flat. People would hang out on the rooftops and talk. And, but there was always the one room that had uh, some type of covering door that could close. It's usually a storeroom, uh, usually a room in the back, um, maybe in an upper level. Um, this is also the, the upper room that is talked about when Jesus was there uh, with his disciples um, in one of the last meals they had. And, and uh, it was a place to have some privacy. And this is what Jesus is saying is, is, is go to this place and have time with just you and God and create that uh, intimate relationship that you are created to have with your Creator. And if we're believers, you are created to have with your Father in heaven. And we're created for this uh, intimate relationship and this communication. Uh, so go there and do that. Um, one caveat I do want to say is uh, sometimes people use this verse specifically out of context uh, to, to say that uh, uh, that if someone's offering prayer uh, in a large group setting, that, uh, that it's maybe wrong, or that they're being disingenuous because it may go against what Christ is saying in the first and second part of this passage here. Uh, but we want to be careful about that because corporate prayer isn't wrong. We know this. We pray as a church. Uh, we have elder prayer every Sunday. Uh, we get up and we, we one of our elders... Um, Leaders leads us uh, in prayer that morning. We have a prayer huddle on Sunday mornings at 9.35. Usually uh, it's a time where uh, those who are uh, serving on Sundays can get together and just pray for the morning. Uh, so, so corporate prayer uh, isn't wrong. And just like with a lot of things in life that aren't necessarily bad or wrong, it all comes down to a heart issue. And that's the big thing about this morning is especially with prayers, it all comes down to a heart issue and having that intimate relationship uh, one to another from us to God. And that's really what, what Jesus is saying here uh, in verse 6. And then we finish out starting in verse 9. Then uh, this is how you should pray. And Jesus, he lays out a really good framework uh, of prayer here. And, and uh, Brian actually taught on the Lord's Prayer specifically uh, about a year ago or so, um, a lot of us know the Lord's Prayer, 
Uh, but it's always a good reminder to go through and to see what Jesus is kind of talking about here. Uh, so our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and also as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So what is, what is Jesus saying here? And, and we really just want to break this down into a, a couple of segments on really kind of a framework that Christ gives us on, uh, on how we should start off praying, on how uh, we could have a, a, a vibrant prayer life. So first off, he says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. First and foremost, he is recognizing God for who he is. Our Father in heaven, and praising his name, hallowed be your name. And that really just sets us in the right mindset to understand who it is we are praying to. And that's our Father in heaven, the ruler of all nations. Praise be to your name. Your name is exalted. Your name is lifted on high. So it's giving God his due praise, his just praise, and realizing him for who he is. Then we go on. Uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And this is really the crux, I believe, uh, of prayer. And we're going we're gonna to finish with this uh, in a little bit as we end. Um, but talking about how God's will, we want to we want to be people that understand that God's will be done, uh, whatever circumstance uh, is going on. Give us today our daily bread. Listen, uh, whether that's food, legit, give us today our daily bread. Jesus is saying that uh, as we pray, pray for God to provide us what. We need as he sees fits. He knows our needs, right? Uh, and, and it's not wrong to ask uh, God uh, of things in life. Uh, what we do need to be careful of is treating God as like a, a cosmic genie. Uh, that uh, just poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Poof, what do you need? Right? As, as genie does in Aladdin, right? And, and, and it's, it's, sometimes it's tricky. Uh, we can fall into that, uh, that mode of just running to God when we need, when we need, when we need. But... Uh, as we pray and we say, give us this day our daily bread, that can mean many different things. Give us what we need for this day, for this situation that we may be going through. Maybe it's patience. Maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's strength. Um, whatever it may be, uh, we, uh, we should pray in order to, to ask God just to give us what he sees fit we need uh, for that day. Forgive us our debts if we, as, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And right there is forgiveness. Um, and again, that's for us to have the right mindset of, of uh, you know, you know, God, just forgive us. You know, I'm sorry for what we did against you today. Uh, forgive us uh, today and, and allow us to be able to be in the right mindset to forgive others who may have wronged us uh, as well. And then I lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And, and simply a prayer of just uh, protecting us. Right. And that doesn't necessarily mean that nothing bad will ever happen to us. Uh, but just a, a prayer of, of protection uh, over our lives in these moments and these needs 
that we may have. And then uh, some, uh, some later manuscripts have the ending, uh, and yours uh, be the glory and power and kingdom forever. Uh, amen. And, uh, and I really like that because that's the bookend. Right? He started with, how will be your name? Right? You are Father in heaven, exalted. And then he ends with, and yours is the power and glory uh, forever and ever. Amen. He's realizing, he's saying again, realize who God is and who we are praying to. So this is uh, a snapshot, uh, a quick snapshot of prayer uh, that Jesus is giving to those who are, are listening to him uh, on the mountainside. And, and uh, it's, again, a little bit of, of do's and don'ts, how-to's, and a framework of prayer. Um, and Jesus is so good at doing that, but, but he's even better at exemplifying that in his life, uh, personally. And, and for the, the last couple minutes that we have left, that's what I kind of want to show you, is, is really how Jesus uh, exemplified this life of prayer in practice, and how we can take those same types of ideals and put them to uh, our lives and use them as well. So what does this mean uh, for us? So first off, in, in Jesus' ministry when he was on earth, uh, you, you won't see a time that he wasn't in some type of communication uh, with his Father in heaven. And uh, I want to just take us through just a, a couple of these instances. There's many, many more. I've written down just a few, just three instances um, of, of this notion of verse 6. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Uh, and uh, when he sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And it's not like he'll just give you whatever you want, but that reward is going to be a life filled uh, with God and God alone and, and that intimate relationship. So um, in Mark uh, chapter 1, uh, this is a little bit after Jesus first starts his ministry. He calls some of his first disciples. Uh, he's driving out some impure spirits, and he's really starting to do uh, some really awesome things. He just uh, heals uh, Simon's mother-in-law. In, um, in Mark chapter 1, verse 35, uh, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. While it was still dark, very early in the morning, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. So right after his first moments in ministry where he's, he's pouring himself out and he's pouring himself out and he's healing people and he's driving out spirits and he's calling his disciples to come and follow him and take on this, this, uh, this role of being fishers of men, he makes sure he gets off, he gets up and goes off to a solitary place, just him and his father, and prays, connecting him, giving that, that intimate relationship uh, that we so verily need. Uh, a little further on in Mark 6, um, uh, verses uh, 45 uh, to 46, this is right after uh, one of, one of Jesus' more known miracles of feeding the 5,000. Uh, they just had, um, Jesus just sent out his 12 with authority to cast out uh, impure spirits and, and, and whatnot, and they come back to him and, uh, and they're hungry, they haven't eaten all day, he says, come on with me, and they go across the, the lake, 
But people are running after them on foot, and they get to where Jesus is, and he has compassion on this crowd. And everybody, he just preaches and preaches and preaches. And it's so late in the day, nobody has eaten. And, uh, and they, he tells the disciples, go get some food. And uh, they're like, we don't have any of those. Check the crowds. There's this little, like, there's this uh, five uh, loaves and, and two fishes. And, and, uh, and Jesus gave thanks, broken, everybody's fed. Right after this happened, in verse 45 of Mark 6, it says this, Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida. While he dismissed the crowd. Verse 46. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Again, he is pouring himself out. And he's pouring himself out. And he's pouring himself out. And he's pouring himself out. And he realizes he needs still that communion, that connection, that intimate relationship with his father. And not funny enough, right after that, he meets his disciples on the water. <laughs> and that's when they're, oh no, it's a ghost! And he's like, no, it's, it is I. And Peter goes out and walks on water, you know, as Jesus is walking towards him and they're walking towards each other. You know, just some, some awesome things uh, uh, in that chapter. And then lastly, uh, we want to look at, at Luke uh, chapter 5. Uh, so uh, Jesus is calling his first disciples. He's just getting done uh, healing many people again. And uh, in verses uh, 15 and 16, Jesus had just healed a man with leprosy. He says, um, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer this is verse 14 and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that the crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sicknesses. Verse 16. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Jesus understood what it meant to do ministry to live this life, but to also get away and to pray and to have that uh, communion, to have that intimate relationship, that community uh, with his Father in heaven. And, and, and so many times we hear about this and we see this and, uh, and we say, yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You know, oh, that's Jesus. You know, how can we do that? What does it mean for me? But, you know, when I was a teenager, about half a lifetime ago, 35 now, so probably when I was about 16, uh, 17 years old, I was uh, I was at a weird place uh, in my life. Some uh, personal family issues were happening, and, uh, and uh, because of who I am, uh, I feel pain, even if it's not my own pain. I'm a big empath. Uh, I feel the pain of those whom I love, those who are around me, who come to me, and... and um, the bad thing about that is sometimes I feel like I need to fix it all. Uh, when I can't fix it, I feel like a failure. Uh, and there is this situation that was happening that I couldn't fix. I couldn't do anything about. And, uh, and I felt like a huge failure to my family. And um, I remember specifically one night at youth group, I was just overcome with um, sadness, grief, anger even. That I left the room and I went outside, it was raining, and I was just walking up and down the parking lot. And I was literally, uh, I was having a shouting match with God. I was angry at myself, I was angry at God, and, and I, was just, I was just letting Him have it. Uh, I, 
when I was letting him in on what was going on in my life, like he didn't already know anyway. Um, but something amazing happened. Uh, one of my friends came, and it was time to leave, and and uh, I got in their car, and, and they were driving me home. It was about a 10, 10 or 15-minute ride. I asked them to take the long way. And um, I was just sitting in their car, and they weren't saying anything because they knew something was up with me. And, and I was kind of just mumbling, muttering. But what I was doing is I was, I was praying to God in that moment. And not just praying, but I was recalling Bible verses that I had committed to memory from when I was, I mean, like, young, young, young in Learning Center here at Family Bible Church at the time that I didn't even know that I knew and remembered, but they were stored in my heart, and, and the Holy Spirit quickened them to my mind, and I was, for 15 straight minutes, I was just quoting scripture to myself and praying to God, and, and as sure as I'm sitting here now, I did a complete 180, and um, that piece uh, that that surpasses all understanding that Paul talks about um, Philippians four. I've never felt that so much more than in that moment. I went from angry and callous towards God to completely serene and 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 peace filled. And my friend turned to me and looked at me. They're like, "Are you all right?" I was like, "You know what? I really am because God is good." Um, but it was in those moments where I took that time to just run to God and just tell him everything that I was feeling in that moment um, and in those moments and he he dealt with me in, in those ways and and it's so powerful I still remember it to this day it was 16, 17 years ago um, but that's that type of relationship that intimacy that that we so crave uh, because we are we are children of God and I just want to leave you um, with just this last image. Um, and it's the image of Jesus in the garden. Because I don't think there's any more intense prayer or moments of intimacy like what Christ experienced in the garden the night before uh, he was crucified. Um, in Matthew chapter 26, I'm just going to read from 36 to 45. It says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him and began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Then, verse 40, he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall in temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. Verse 43, when he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away once more, and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. You know, and I believe it's in, in Luke's account of this uh, prayer in the garden. 
talks about that it was so intense, it was like droplets of blood coming off of his brow. He was so intently saying, God, Father, Abba, Father, if there is any way for this cup to pass me, please, but your will be done. It is my personal belief that um, I don't think Jesus was talking about the betrayal that was about to happen, the floggings, the carrying of the cross, the crown of thorns, even the hanging on the cross. But that this was so deeply intense and intimate because Jesus knew that for the first time ever in the history of forever, his father was going to have to turn his back on him because he would not be able to rest eyes on the act of taking all sin and shame and guilt to the cross to be the once for all sacrifice that we need. So Christ is sitting here going, if anything, please take this cup, but your will be done. So if there's anything today you take from me from Jesus talking about prayer from Jesus exemplifying the type of prayer life that I feel would be best for us to have it's these four maybe five words but your will be done but your will be done Heavenly Father, we just thank you again for this time that we've had together. Uh, we pray that, uh, that your will be done in our lives, uh, no matter what the circumstances. Praise in your name. Amen. Yeah.